0: You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, it's good, uh, it's good to come together uh, this morning to, uh, to celebrate our risen Lord. Um, as believers, we do this uh, every day. Uh, but on this day, historically, we remember that day. And, and I don't know about you, but I can always just, just this, on this day, I just kind of imagine what that would have been like. And um, my experience in life, so I'm on year 50. Uh, It always seems like it's sunny on Easter Sunday, and I know it's not, like, globally the case, but for me, for whatever reason, I can remember more Sundays where the sun is risen, and uh, it reminds me that the Son of God is risen, and just is so bright and shiny, and um, so thankful for the fact that uh, light has come, and uh, no longer does darkness reign. If you're joining us online, uh, this morning, uh, we just want to say uh, welcome, and uh, just let us know you're with us by using the church center app, or uh, just let us know on the platform you're on. Well, we uh, we talked about the fact on Friday uh, that as Jesus hung on the cross, uh, his last words were, "It is finished." And if we doubted that on the Friday, on the Sunday when Christ rose again. There's an explanation point on the fact that it is finished, and we want to we wanna think about what is it that he has accomplished, so we're going to review a little bit from Friday. I know some of you guys weren't here on Friday, and then we're going to think about, so, so, so as we do so, we're going to go right back to the very beginning, and by the time we're done here this morning, we're going to get to the very end, okay? So we're just going to cover all of history in the short time we have together, okay? So... We want to think first of all about the fact that <clears throat> Christ had to come because uh, of what happened near the beginning. How did we all get here? Well, it tells us in Genesis 1:1, in the beginning God created. Now, we believe that there is a God. We believe that Romans 1, Romans 1 tells us that everyone on this earth knows that there's a God. Um, but as we continue on in Romans 1, it tells us that there are many people who suppress the truth, right? They're, they're pushing it down. Um, they, they don't want to talk about it, They're, they don't want to think about the fact that there is a God, but the Bible tells us there is a God, and He's the one who's created everything that there is, the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe, as, as we advance technologically, and they keep sending stuff out, and they keep saying there's no end, yeah, God created all that too, and He spoke it into existence. And as such, as we talked about on Friday, the world does not revolve around me, does not revolve around you, it revolves around Him. And He decides how this world should operate, He decides what is good, He decides what is right, and as we read the Scriptures, we find out that He is good and perfect and acceptable, and He is our King. In those first two chapters of Genesis, as you get into your Bible, it starts out really good. Now all is good, relationships are good, but by Genesis 3 we see the fall. And Satan comes and he, he's not real creative, let's put it this way. The same lies that he gave in the garden are the same lies that he gives to you and I today. He comes to Adam and Eve and he says that God really isn't good. In fact, he's trying to keep something from you. How many people believe the lie that, well, I could I could follow the Lord, but but if I did, I would miss out, miss out on all of the fun or whatever it is that Satan lies to you about. What would you miss out on if you followed the Lord? And so he gives this lie to Eve. She, she believes that, well, you know, she's got the doubt in her mind. She looks at the fruit. Well, it does look like it's okay to eat. It looks like it's good, and I really would like... What Satan is promising me, even though she already had it, and she sins. As a result of that, this world has been under a curse ever since. Just as God said, if they were to eat, if sin was to come into this world, people die. Every single one of us will die as a result of sin. Praise God, because Christ has come, it doesn't have to be eternally. But right now, on this earth, people will die. The ground was cursed with thorns and and weeds and with hard work. Adam would have to work. Uh, Women now would have pain in childbirth. There will be relational conflict. But in the midst of even pronouncing the curse, God says that there is one who is coming, who will be from the offspring of the woman. In other words, it will be a man who will come... And he will stomp the head of Satan. He will be defeated someday. And so from Genesis 3, right through Malachi, we're wondering who is the one? Who is the one who's going to be born of woman who will defeat Satan? And you can see over and over again, men being defeated uh, it doesn't take long for, you know, for the, the, the Israel does well for a little bit, but then not so well, and sin just, just seems to have its way over and over again and man, in this world, until Jesus comes, and that's when you get into your New Testament. We find out, finally, who his name is. His name is Jesus. He will take away, his, the, the, take away the sins of his people. He isn't just a man, though. And you'll learn that right at the beginning. He is born of a virgin. His conception comes from the Holy Spirit. And as he is born, he is fully God and fully man. Really important that we understand that. Our entire faith is built on that. If he's partly man, not fully man, then his sacrifice, his What he went through on our behalf doesn't mean the same as if he's fully man. He is fully man, and he is fully God. He is the one who will come to reverse the curse. He's tempted just like Adam and Eve were, but guess what? He listens to the will of the Father. In fact, as you read the Gospels over and over again, what does he say? I've come to do the will of the Father. He walks in perfection. He listens to what the Father says. Even when he is tempted, he... Submits to the will of the Father, even in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. We talked about this on Friday, but everything about that day, that Friday, pronounces to us, announces to us that he is taking the curse upon himself. There's a crown of thorns, the thorns that were pronounced about in the pronouncement of the cursing, right? Those thorns are now placed on his head. In the garden, there was nakedness, there was shame and guilt. Christ is on a cross now, full of shame and taking on your guilt, my guilt. He's on a tree. Deuteronomy tells us anyone who is on a tree is cursed. Galatians 3 tells us that he became a curse so that our curse would be removed. And so he hangs on the cross taking our sin upon himself, the wrath of God being poured out on him, and his last words are, it is finished. He reverses the curse. He makes the payment, and now a new creation begins. And as he rises again that, that day, everything changes. The world has never been the same. There is a new creation forming on this earth, even today. And what I want us to do is I want us to think about, so what's changed since that day? What's happened as a result of Christ's coming? We're going to go from the cross, or sorry, from the, the, the empty tomb to the garden, the final garden, when we will be with him there will be no more curse. All things will be made new. And I want us to look at that this morning. On Friday, we highlighted that he alone is the one who saves us. He alone could do it. It was not a team sport. Christ alone is the one who saves. And if you're a believer here this morning, you know that you had to make a decision. Not somebody else not, not your mom, your dad, not, not someone else. You had to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a very personal relationship when it comes to salvation. But what I want to highlight this morning is that as soon as that happens, it becomes a community. You become a part of community. And I want to emphasize this morning, what do we do together? And so I've entitled this morning's sermon, We Together, it says in Romans 12, 4 and 5, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are in our one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We are in the body of Christ now. So, we together. What do we mean by that? Who are the we What are they called to do, and what is the final goal of it all? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to get into it. Lord God, we're so thankful for this time together to celebrate the resurrected Lord. Lord, we know that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father even now. He is building his church. He is still saving lost sinners. He's making all things new, and one day soon, It will be finished, completely finished. Lord, we cannot wait for that day where sin, death, and Satan are finally and fully completed. But Lord, there's work to do between now and that day. And Lord, as we think about this text we're going to be reading this morning, God, we pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us Lord, for the believer here this morning, I pray that you just make them <laughs> so appreciative of all you've done, that they would be in so in awe of who you are, that they would fall deeper and deeper in love with you, Lord, as as a result of their understanding of these things this morning. And that, Lord, we would be found faithful when you return. For those here this morning who when I use words like lost and and dead in sin and believer and unbeliever, they're not really even sure what I'm talking about. God, I would pray this morning, would you open their eyes to your truth? Would you open their eyes to see that today, though they are sinners, they may be saved because of what Christ has done. Lord, because of Christ, we have hope not just now, but for eternity. We have been loved perfectly by you. Lord, may that message ring forth loud and clear this morning, we pray. Lead this preacher now for your glory, for your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we all need a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and slip up your hand. The usher's be happy to give you a copy of God's Word. If you're like, I don't have a Bible at home, just keep the one they're giving you as our gift to you. But we're going to be looking at John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and we're going we're gonna to focus on That day, that day when Christ was risen again, and then uh, we're going to spend some time in Revelation. So we're going to start in John, we're going to end in Revelation, and then uh, we'll we'll praise the Lord in song one, one more time together. But I want us to look, first of all, at verses 19 to 23 of chapter 20 of John, just four chapters in the New Testament into the New Testament, and it says this in verse 19, On the evening of that day, the day when he was resurrected, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed in them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. We together, we together are united by him. We see the salvation in verses 19 to 21. United by him, the salvation. We read that at the beginning of verse 19, it was in the evening of that day, the day when he was resurrected, the first day of the week. And now, it's a little confusing for those of us who've grown up in Canada, but the first day of the week was Sunday, all right? Saturday was their last day, and, and so when we read the first day of the week, it is Sunday. Christ has risen from the dead that morning, and just to kind of review what had happened, In the morning, the women had went to the tomb only to find it empty. Then we see Peter and John, they had run to there and they found things just as the woman had said. Then John had come home believing that Christ had risen. Then Jesus had shown himself to Mary Magdalene. And she had also went to the disciples and told them what she had seen. This all happened before lunch. Sometime in that afternoon, Jesus appears to Cleopas, and another disciple, they're on the road to Emmaus. They're chatting away. Jesus comes up to them. They do not recognize him. And and, and they're, as they're talking, uh, Jesus is like, well, you know, what are you guys talking about? And like, well, don't don't you know of all the events that have happened? You know, which is ironic, right? Okay, so <laughs> they they didn't know, but he did, he knew. And and so he begins to explain to them why all of these things had to happen. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets. And it's around dinner time now. And, and they're like, hey, why don't you stay with us? He was pretending he was gonna keep going. Like, no, no, just stay with us. And and they have supper, and as he breaks the bread, their eyes are opened. And they're like, It's Jesus. And then he vanishes. And they run back to Jerusalem and they tell the disciples, and this is where the text picks up. These guys now are gathered in the room and they're fearful. Reread. The door is being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They killed Jesus. What are they going to do to them? They don't know. They have no idea what their plan is. They they know that Christ has been been killed on the Friday. Now it's Sunday. It's only two days out. What will they do to them? And so they're in this room. They're gathered together. The door is locked. And Jesus comes in and stands among them and says, peace be with you. Now, If if there wasn't that little phrase for fear of the Jews, we would think maybe they would have some fear of meeting Jesus. Because the last time they had a sit down kind of talk, Jesus had told them, What? You're all going to leave me, and one of you is going to betray me. And they're like, No, no, it will never happen. And it did. They'd all fled, and Judas had betrayed him, and by this time he's. Committed suicide, he's dead. But Jesus' first words to them is not chiding, it's peace be with you. What a loving God. Or else says this, peace and not blame, peace and not fault finding, peace and not rebuke was the first words this little company heard from their master's lips after he left the tomb. Peace between God and man through the blood of Jesus Atonement, peace between man and man through the infusion of grace and charity to spread such peace as was to be the work of the church. Peace be with you. The Bible tells us that in our sin, in our rebellion, we were enemies of God, but Jesus has come that we might have peace with him, that we might be reconciled to him. We can have now peace with the Father. And as such, now we have peace with one another. How, are, how do we get through life? I, I'm not sure how unbelievers do it, honestly. Like how they don't just wind up killing each other, right? And of course we see a whole lot of that. I guess if it was not for the consequences, we'd see even more. But, but because we now have Christ, we now know how to forgive. We know how, how to confess our sins to one another. So we have peace with one another. And now we also have peace within, we know where we're going someday. We know our future because what Christ has done. Peace be with you. Apparently, the disciples are kind of still standing there in disbelief. Like, he's here, right? And so, what does Jesus do? He shows them his hands and his side. And then the disciples are glad when they saw the Lord. It's almost like they're just in shock, right? You can see the picture. You would be in shock. So let's not look down on these guys, right? You would be in shock too. He's there. And, And they see him physically there. They're wondering, is it a ghost? Is it not a ghost? He's like, look, look, see my hand. See, look. Look my side. And when they see him, they are glad. They're worshiping. And then Jesus says to them again, peace be with you. You know, sometimes we hear something, but we don't really hear it. I think that's the case here. He had said, peace be with you, the first time. And they're kind of like, uh-huh, what? And now he's saying, peace be with you. They're like, yes. Peace how? Through his crucifixion, through his resurrection. This is how we now have peace with God. This, this truth now is penetrating their hearts. They're beginning to understand that it is through Christ's suffering and his death that they now can have peace. He is risen now. He has overcome death. Death no longer has the final word on all those who will put their trust in him. Sin brings death and destruction. Christ has come that we might have life and have it eternally. And so when they see Jesus, they are glad. Jesus has done all that he said he would do. So what about you and me? You're kind of like, you're sitting here, you know what? (laughs) Yeah, if I seen him, I would believe too. But I haven't seen him, and I don't believe. Well, let's look down at verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came what a day to miss church (laughs) huh jesus had come and been in their midst and he missed it we're not told why 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 was he not there with them why was he still not gathering together with them was he discouraged was it was his was his mind reeling like how could this happen We were to reign with Christ. He he is the Messiah. Just a week ago, the people were crying out, Hosanna, how did this happen? You could see how he would be disillusioned and disheartened and discouraged and and wondering and and just like, I'm just staying home. I'm just going to stay by myself. It's probably safer. Those guys getting together, it's not wise. I'm just going to stay at home. Well, it was a bad day to miss. Now, I would just say to you, if you're a believer here this morning, maybe that's you. You get disheartened. You get discouraged. You get disillusioned. You're kind of like, I didn't think my life was going to be what it is. And there's this temptation to isolate yourself. And maybe this is your first time in a church in a long, long time. Can I just encourage you to do what God calls us to do as believers, to gather together to find an encouragement in the coming together, to come with expectation. We don't know what God's going to do every time we come here. We, 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 we know he's a great God, and only he can change our hearts. And so let's come with anticipation. But Thomas, he missed that Sunday. He missed, he missed coming. And, and now the disciples come to him, verse 25, and they say what? We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails to place my finger and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I can't believe you guys. Are you kidding me? You must have been a ghost. You must have drank some bad wine. I don't know what happened, but I'm telling you, unless I see him I will not believe. And the other disciples are like, Thomas, Thomas, we know. We, we thought it was a ghost at first, too. Like, we were kind of standing there in shock, but then he's like, he showed us. You, you, you got to believe. And Thomas says, unless I see his wounds, unless I, unless I touch him, I, I don't, I'm not going to believe. He's not convinced. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them this time. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Monday had come, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday I mean, eight days of him not believing. And Jesus says, peace be with you. Then he said to, says to Thomas, because he knows all things, and I want everyone to hear that this morning. He knows everything about you. Everything. And he meets Thomas where, where he needs to be, and he says to Thomas, put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but Believe. Look, I'm right here. If you need to touch me, then you touch me. I'm here, Thomas. Stop your disbelief. Believe. Now, I believe that God's saying that to some of you here this morning. He's saying stop your disbelief. Believe. Now, I don't know what your excuses are this morning. Like, I just don't know enough about this Jesus. I, I don't know. Like, I got drug here. I'm supposed to get some ham later. I, I, I came, you know. But I, I, I have no idea who he even is. That I, I, I want to just plead with you and tell you this morning that ignorance is not bliss. You will die someday, and you will stand before him. And so you need to start studying. You need to start reading this book and reading the Bible. Read the Gospels. Read the Gospel of John and find out who he is. And I'm telling you, he is your Savior. He is your Lord. He is your only hope in this world. And so do not think ignorance will save you someday. It will not save you. It will condemn you. And so believe. Stop your disbelief. Maybe it's hurt in your past. It's like, I just can't, if, if God is, is real, I could not forgive him for what's happened in my past. Well, we live in a sinful world full of sinful people, and there is much pain, and there is much suffering in this world. But God, he is good, and he is perfect, and he's also just. And all sin will be punished. If unjust injustices were done against you, And God will deal with it. No sin will be overlooked, including yours. And so I want to just plead with you this morning look to Him. Maybe it's your pride this morning. You're you're sitting on your throne in judgment on God. You know, you're just like, well, I think God should do this. And I think God should. Who are you? You are dust. You are creation. He is the creator. I see a little one here sitting in the middle. Like, It'd be like this child telling you and I how we should run our lives, right? We'd be like, okay, you're so cute, right? Like, that's what we'd say. I think God probably says that to you. Like, okay, thank you. <laughs> now repent. Bow your knee to me. That's what you need to do. And if you do, you will find life. Be like Thomas who says, my Lord and my God, my master, my my king, my Lord and my God. He's not just saying the Lord, the God, right? Some of you could be sitting here, you have it in here. You know that there is a God, you know that Jesus has come, you know that he died and rose again, but it's never penetrated your heart. You have never personally said, God, forgive me. I am a sinner. I have sinned against you, and I deserve condemnation, but I am placing my hope and trust in you this morning. And I believe because you came and you died and you took my wrath upon yourself on the cross that I can be saved. And I'm encouraging this morning, if you've never prayed that prayer, you pray this morning and find life in him. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? And then he thinks about everybody in this room. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And I praise God that there's so many of you here this morning. This is your story. You've never seen them. But you believe. You believe. He's not putting Thomas down. He's just just saying this is the reality. 2,000 years later, Jesus isn't walking around showing himself to people. He's got a different way, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But you heard the gospel, and then the Spirit of God opened your eyes to see the truth, and you believe today. Praise God. This morning, do you have peace with God? Have you been united to God by Christ? Have you received forgiveness through the shedding of his blood? By him dying in your place. Every single person here needs this salvation. There is, there are no exceptions. Everybody needs this salvation. But praise God, salvation is available today. For everyone who would believe and repent, salvation is available to you today. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned. His sacrifice was once and for all. And he will forgive you. And if you are a child of God today, then you are a part of we together. You are a part of the body of Christ worldwide. Christ is building his church all over this world today. And so we are together, are united for him. The mission. We're united for him. The mission. Before you came to Christ, you know, I don't know what your plans are. you kind of like, my kingdom come, my will be done. You had all kinds of things that you thought you were going to live your life for. But in Christ, when you're in Christ, our whole mission changes as believers. And we're reminded of this, again, going back to verse 21. After he said, peace be with you, then he says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. How, how has the gospel got to this point in 2022? How, how is it that, that this book was written? It's because Christ sent out this small group. He said, just as the Father sent me, guess what, now I'm sending you. But, as they'd just been reminded 48 hours earlier, they're not so good on their own. They're not so good in their ability in themselves to do this. And so he reminds them in verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. In order to do the work, in order to accomplish the mission, his people need the Holy Spirit. And he says says here, he breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is one of those difficult verses. Is there some difficult verses in the Bible? Yes, there are difficult verses in the Bible. All right. Because if you keep reading and you get into the book of Acts, the next book, you're like, wait a minute, they still haven't received the Spirit yet. Like the Spirit hasn't come upon them in power yet. That's that's Acts chapter two. So what does it mean that he breathed on them and they received the Spirit? Well, I think this is, this is symbolic of what he is about to do. You will need to receive the Holy Spirit breathed on them. We spent a little bit of time in Genesis 1 and 2 on Friday. And there we read that as he, as he formed a man out of the dust, he breathed on them. He's making a new creation. He's making all things new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things come. The Lord is freeing us from the curse. He's making all things new. But in order for, for the, the mission to be fulfilled, they will need the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And as, you, as I've already mentioned, you read Acts chapter 1. They're choosing another disciple. Jesus ascends. What does he say? i got to leave so the Spirit can come. And the Spirit comes in power. Peter preaches a message, and right away there's a megachurch, church. Right? That that Sunday, right as he as 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 they had gathered on that day of Pentecost, there there were thousands who came to the Lord. He says this: If you forgive, verse twenty-three. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. You want to talk about a verse that can be taken out of context and used evilly, wickedly? This is one of those. We are the church. We'll tell you if you're forgiven or not. We just, that's what he told the disciples. Says it right there. Is it just arbitrary? They get to decide. Adam, I don't really like you. You're not forgiven. I declare it. I am the church. This guy over here, he gave a really good offering. He's forgiven. You see how it's been twisted for the last 2,000 years? That's not what it... How? How are they able to declare it? Because they're under the authority of Christ, who is the head of the church, and the message is this, if anyone believes in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and they place their faith in him, they are forgiven their sins. That's how it is declared. That's how, and this declaration is still the same today. Somebody comes and they're talking to me and they're like, I, I, I'm, I'm saved. I, I'm a Christian. I'm like, Okay. Well, what do you believe? I'll, t- I'll listen to their, you know, I haven't met them before, and they're like, okay, well, tell me, how, d- how did you come to faith in Christ? And if they happen to be, you know, on crystal meth and they're living with their girlfriend, I'm going to still question. I, I know that you're saying you believe, but your life is stating that you don't believe. It's stating that you're the master of your life, not the Lord. I'm going gonna, gonna to question that a little bit. It's like Matthew 18, right? Your brother sins. What are we to do? You go to him. Say, hey, brother, stop singing, sinning, right? Like that's, that's what we do because we love each other. And, 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 and sin is bad. It destroys. Just a reminder. It's not like, yeah, it's good. It's terrible. It's a cancer. And so we want to remove it from the body, And so we go to one another and we see sin in one another's lives and we just encourage repentance. They're like, Who are you? I'm not repenting. You're wrong. You don't know what I know. You don't feel like I feel. I'm just, I've heard this so many times, right? And maybe you have too. Well, it doesn't matter how you feel, it doesn't matter what you know. We know this. This is the standard. So if we're doing what this says not to do, then we need to repent. Well, I'm not doing it. Well, then now I take a few buddies, right? It says two or three witnesses. You come, you ask them to repent again. You plead with them. If they're saying, I'm still not going to, then you tell the church. And you say, hey, Bobby is in sin. He will not repent of his sin, and so right now, he's not welcome here. So when you see Bobby, plead with him to repent of his sin. Repent of his sin, and treat him as an unbeliever. In other words, you tell him the gospel over and over and over again. You tell him he needs to repent, because why? Because at the end, there is a judgment coming, And then Bobby's finally, he falls on his knees and and, and repents. Guess what? Bobby's here the next day and we're loving on him and we're caring for him because that's what we do. That's what this is talking about. Some of you are like, what? Does that still happen? Well, this is in the Bible. This is what we're to do, right? We welcome everybody. We welcome everybody, right? Let's just be clear on that. Everyone is welcome here. But... You know, Bobby, let's go with with Billy, because we aren't going to confuse. So Bobby, he's the believer. Billy's not the believer. Billy can be here every Sunday and be doing the same thing Bobby the believer is doing. Billy, the unbeliever, we're going to continue to tell him to repent. Same with Bobby the believer, but if he does not repent, then he shouldn't be with us because we're united together. Billy's just attending a church. Bobby's in the church. He's claiming he's in the church. That's the difference between the two. That was an unintended tangent. Okay, let's get back. Holiness is important to the Lord, is is the point. And forgiveness is through Jesus Christ. So guess what? I've already said disciples on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches a sermon, thousands are saved. Then persecution comes on the church after a while, and the church is scattered around the world. And the believers keep testifying to the truth of the gospel. Persecution continues to ramp up, ramp up, The apostles are are thrown in jail, lives were threatened, and eventually they all are martyred for Christ. John, we don't know for sure. The last we've seen of him, he's on an island by himself, an imprisonment kind of a thing. We don't know if in the end he was martyred too. But the gospel spreads through the known world at that time. And for the last 20 centuries, it has been spreading. I mean, just look around here. Look at the different nationalities. Think about, think about all the different ethnic groups this is, is represented just in this room. The gospel has been spread around the world, but guess what? The mission is still the mission. You're like, well, I think there's a believer in every country, so I guess we're good. No, we're we still on mission And we might be tempted to think, well, what can we do? What can we do? There's just so few of us. You're starting to feel like that in Canada. Just seems like everybody's against us now. Well, what were the odds back then? And look what God did. And so we don't look at the odds. We look at our Savior. We look at our God and we proclaim the good news. And we do so with passion. This is what these guys did. They knew what? No one can ever take away our hope for to me to live is Christ and to die is game. I, you keep me alive, it's better, it's better for the church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to get together with my brothers and sisters and encourage them. It's better for the world because I'm going to keep proclaiming the gospel and, and hopefully God will, will use this proclamation and save people. But better for me if I die because then I'm in heaven. And I'm with him. I'm in his presence. That was their mindset. And so we're on mission. Say whatever you want against me. I don't care. I'm on mission. You're a fool. You're a liar. You're intolerant. You're, you're, a hate, you're hateful. You're, you're who cares what the world says. I am a child of God. I am a servant of Christ. I have a citizenship in heaven. My hope is eternal. His love will never be taken away from me. And so we proclaim and we stay on mission. Church, let's be on mission. So thankful for you. So thankful that so many of you have a heart to see lost people saved. You take no comfort in the the fact that it's your saved. You want want them, them to be saved as well. Not just me, Lord, but them as well. And so we go out of our obedience to the King of kings and Lord of lords, wanting to see his kingdom come, wanting to see new life be brought into this dead world before the culmination of it all. The new creation is breaking in all over the world, but the mission is still not complete. It will not be complete until Christ returns. And this is what I want us to focus on to end. We together are united with him, which is the goal. The goal is to get back to the garden. Get back into his presence forevermore. And so we look now at the book of Revelation. As you look at the book of Revelation, we we read this text on Friday, Friday. Revelation 5, who will open the scroll? Who is worthy to open the scroll? And it says they looked everywhere, uh, under the earth, on the earth, above the earth, and there was no one found. And then John starts weeping, and like, well, there is one. Who is he? The Lion of Judah, the Root of David, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is worthy to open the scroll. He is the one who who is worthy and to, to, to bring about the final judgment. And this is what the book of Revelation warns all of mankind. There is a day that is coming when the world will end. Armageddon is real. And God's judgment will come upon sin. God's judgment will come upon Satan and death will finally be removed forevermore. Before we get to the garden, we see that there is a day of judgment in Revelation 19. Sorry, Revelation 20. There's a day of judgment. And all of humanity is standing before him. And just as in the garden there was a tree of life and a tree of death, on that judgment day it will be unveiled what you chose. Did you choose life or did you choose death in this world? To choose life is to choose Jesus Christ. It is to believe on Him. It is to believe that through Christ you can have life, that the curse of death can be removed from you. This is how we find life. Or you can choose your default position and you can choose death for your entire life. But then you will die. And Hebrews tells us after that comes the judgment. The Catholic teaching that there is this place called purgatory is a lie. There there is no like waiting place and like trying to get things right. The time is now to repent. So we, we have chosen life or death. If you have life in you right now, you still have a choice. The day that you breathe your last, you have no more choice. And then we read what that day will look like. Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. According to what they had done. Every day matters. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades, they were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is not made up. There will be eternal torment, eternal suffering for all who choose to walk in rebellion against God for the rest of their lives. He is a just God. You sin against an eternal God and you receive the eternal punishment. The punishment that was placed on Christ for all those who have believed in him. And so you need to choose. Will you choose life or will you choose death? I'm praying for you this morning. I'm praying that your eyes are being opened. Why would I choose death? That seems really dumb. It is. But how many millions and billions of people do we know right now are choosing death, listening to the lies of Satan? But I'm praying this morning God's opening eyes so that you will get to the final chapter where we see in Revelation 21. the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. Just as God had walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, we will get back to that day one day, and there will be no more sin. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be their mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Just as it was promised in the Old Testament that Jesus was coming to atone for sin, and it was true, and it did happen, We need to remember that Jesus is coming back again and it is true and it will happen. There will be a new heavens and a new earth one day soon. And one last picture to leave us this morning, Revelation 22. Flip over there. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on the other side of the river, the tree of life. With his 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. What a tree this is. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. It's all coming back. The, the, the creation that was really good, that, that was beautiful, where you lived in his presence. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth where that will be the case. And the tree of life will be there just as the tree of life was in the original garden and the fools did not eat of it. We now will be with him and we will not be fools because we will be like him and we will worship him for all of eternity. If you are in Christ this morning, be reminded this is your future. This day is coming and it's coming soon. We don't know when. Will it be today? Will it be tomorrow? Will we be the last generation? Or will there still be generations to come? We do not know. But we do know this: that his words are trustworthy and true. And so, what do we do between now and that day? Well, we together proclaim hope in Christ. We together proclaim rejoice in our salvation we gather together we encourage one another we, we remind each other that our hope can never be taken away that our love from God will never be taken away and that one day soon we will be with him Satan sin and death they will be destroyed forevermore so let's unite in remembering his salvation, let's unite for him in the mission, and then let's remember one day soon we'll be with him. Let me pray. Lord God, we love you. We are so thankful for this word of truth this morning. Lord, we're so thankful that you have saved us. God, this morning we pray that our hearts would, re- would be rejoicing in that. Lord, this morning we pray that our, our, our focus would be renewed. That, Lord, it would be our hearts to, to proclaim this good news to everyone and anyone who will listen to us. And that, Lord, we would see your new creation even today as you make someone who was dead new in you. Lord, we we pray for the lost. We pray for those even here this morning who, who have listened to this word. God, I pray that they would see that it is true, that it is real, and that, Lord, they would repent even this morning and place their trust in you. Lord, thank you for our hope in you. Thank you that we get to worship you for now and for all of eternity. And we cannot wait for the day When we will walk in your presence, what a day it will be. Until then, Lord, find us faithful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more time. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.